This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for Thursday, May 19th, 2022. Apple may be compelled to provide iOS users the ability to find and download software from outside the App Store. This week, we'll take a look at the pros and cons of sideloading software for iOS. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's Chief Security Analyst, Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Kirk? I'm doing just fine. Now, this is a special episode. Josh and I are in secure locations. So we're not able to confirm that Apple still hasn't updated those in-the-wild vulnerabilities, zero-day bad vulnerabilities in macOS Big Sur and macOS Catalina. But we'll let you know next week if they have. Today, we want to do a special episode on sideloading. Now, this is a term you may have heard a lot recently. There's a lot of antitrust investigations going on. U.S. Congress is talking about this. The European Union is because of the inability for one company to sell products for another platform. Now, basically, the two platforms we're really talking about is iOS and Android. There aren't really any other mobile platforms that have this kind of walled garden with app stores. So first of all, let's define what sideloading is. I, it's like I kind of do this on my Mac all the time, don't I? Yeah, well, the, the whole concept behind sideloading, generally when people say sideloading, first of all, they're talking about installing an app on a mobile device that doesn't come from the official app store of that platform, right? So sideloading is a thing that you can do very easily on Android, Sideloading is possible on Android. It has been, I think, since the platform began. They do make it slightly complicated. There's a series of steps that you've got to go through that the average person is never going to accidentally enable sideloading. And they do that very much on purpose, right? Google prefers for you to go to the Google Play Store to get apps because, of course, then they get their revenue from that, just like Apple gets revenue from buying things in the iOS app store, right? That's really, I think, one of the big reasons why this is so controversial is Apple has never allowed third-party apps on the iOS platform, or now also iPadOS platform. Apple wants control over that ecosystem, and so you the only way to officially get an app on iOS is to get it through the app store. I noticed something recently. I was looking at Amazon's Fire tablets, just out of curiosity, and you can only put certain apps on them. You can't put it. So the Fire runs on a version of Android, but you can only put Amazon approved apps on the Fire tablets. So that's even worse than Apple in a way, isn't it? Well, yes and no. It is possible to actually sideload the Google Play Store onto it and, and other apps like that. I've actually done this on a couple of older Fire tablets that, that I, I bought several years ago and was kind of annoyed about certain apps that I couldn't get from the Amazon store. Okay, so we know what sideloading is. What about jailbreaking? We've heard about that a lot. We don't talk about it much on this podcast because it's not easy, it's complicated, etc. But isn't that similar to sideloading? Well, and the other reason we don't talk about jailbreaking is because it makes your device vulnerable on purpose. You have to stay on an older version of iOS to jailbreak. So what is jailbreaking? Jailbreaking is exploiting a known vulnerability in a version of iOS that runs on your device. 
and using that vulnerability to basically unlock the device so that you can do other things with it that Apple doesn't want you to be able to do, including potentially installing a third-party app store that you can get other apps from, and also making sort of bigger modifications to the system that you wouldn't normally be able to do just with plain vanilla iOS. Okay, so let's start by talking about the pros of sideloading. Why should we be allowed to sideload apps onto our iPhones and iPads? Okay, I think the biggest pro from my perspective as somebody who's interested in security is the possibility that it might allow for additional security software to be available on iOS. For example, potentially antivirus software or other types of protection software. Apple currently bans antivirus software from the iOS app store. At one point, Intego actually did have an app in the, in the iOS app store at one point that would allow you to scan certain storage areas on your iPhone or iPod Touch or iPad. So there's also the financial element because there is that 30% and now 15% Apple tax on developers. 30% is a lot. 15% is still not negligible. I, I'm one of the people who thinks that the App Store does have a certain amount of value, that it's more than just the payment processing. But developers would like to be able to make more money selling their apps directly as they do on the Mac, right? This really came into the public spotlight in 2020 when Epic Games did something that was in intentionally against Apple's terms of service. They allowed for in-app purchases that circumvented Apple's cut of the in-app purchase. And so they got banned. The app Fortnite actually got banned from the iOS app store because of this. And so, of course, Epic Games made themselves out to be the David to Apple's Goliath, right? They're going up against the, the man fighting the big evil corporation that's trying to oppress us. When really Epic Games clearly violated Apple's policies just so they could start this battle, right? They wanted to take on this war. And in addition, Epic is not just a small company because I think they're half owned by Tencent, which is a huge Chinese technology company. So it's not, you know, a real David and Goliath. One of the things we see on the App Store is that there are a lot of weird apps that are somewhat scammy, particularly now that we have subscriptions. Would third-party stores have better vetting than Apple? In fact, could could a store end up curating apps instead of just accepting everything? Could there be multiple stores that you would go to because you know that they're making a selection of apps rather than just allowing everything in, even though Apple doesn't allow everything, but they are very broad in what they allow. Well, this is a really interesting point because both sides sort of argue that this is a, a this is definitely a pro argument or this is definitely a con argument for sideloading. On the pro side, they say that, oh, well, you know, some third party stores could have better app vetting than Apple, right? Because Apple lets scam apps into the app store all the time. And so we could make sure that we're doing a better job of vetting and preventing those kind of apps from getting into the store. Now, from Apple's perspective, they say, oh, no, 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 it's much easier to slip malware past third party reviewers. You know, you don't know what you're going to get in some third party app store. It's not nearly as good as the vetting that we've been doing for years. So we know what we're doing and nobody else could possibly do as good of a job as we're doing. So it depends on your perspective. Now, my thought on this is that 
Yes, theoretically, it's possible that some third party stores could have better vetting than Apple. But what about other stores that don't? And I think that's where there's a bigger risk on the side of allowing sideloading. Right. The the store thing to me that is the best element of Apple and Google's approach is that you only have one company that you're paying money to. Right. You give a credit card or you buy gift cards or whatever, and all your payments go through the one company. If you've got multiple stores, then that gets a lot more complicated. And of course, this is the way it is on the Mac. If you buy directly from developers, you face this sort of thing. But I don't know. People don't buy as many apps on the Mac as they do on mobile devices. On mobile devices, particularly in games, there are people who might you know, be downloading you know, several games a week. So it is a different thing. One other element is... Apple gets a cut on in-app purchases, right? So this was the epic Fortnite thing where they put their own store. But currently, you can't buy Kindle books or Audible audiobooks in an Amazon app because Amazon doesn't want to give Apple even the 15%. So I think it would be good if we had that possibility. So it's not only just alternate app stores, it's also alternate stores where you can buy other content. For example, Amazon Prime Video, you can rent or buy films, but you can't do that on an Apple device. You have to go to the website to be able to carry this out. The same for books and audiobooks. So there's a whole lot of content that you would be able to buy directly on the devices. Let's think about Bandcamp, for example. So they're a website that sells music by non-mainstream bands for the most part. They have an app where you can play what you've purchased via their website, but it would be better if you could purchase things directly in the app. Exactly. Same thing with comics. Again, Amazon kind of owns a lot of these companies, uh, Kindle, Audible, Comixology. But that's yet another example of where you can't buy it through an in-app purchase because the, the profit margins are are slim enough that they don't want to they, they don't want to either increase the price just so that Apple can get their cut and they still make the same amount. So they just choose to not allow in-app purchasing of that type of content. Right. So any sort of media content, which could be sold through a third-party app store, well, app store, through a third-party app, right, is off limits. So it's not even the side voting of apps here we're talking about. It's that also. Worth noting that Amazon announced last week that they're dropping the Mobi format, which was the original format that they used for Kindle eBooks, and they're switching to EPUB. Now, EPUB is a format that is open, but that can have DRM on it, and Apple uses it for their bookstore. But it means that if you have your own EPUBs, like public domain books, you'll be able to upload them directly to your Kindle rather than having to go through conversion process, which is what people have done in the past. This isn't going to change the way Amazon sells anything, but it is broadening to a more standardized format. Okay, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about all the negatives about side voting. Protecting your online security and privacy has never been more important than it is today. Intego has been proudly protecting Mac users since 1997, and our latest Mac protection suite includes the tools you need to stay protected in 2022. Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9 includes Virus Barrier, the world's best Mac anti-malware protection, Net Barrier for powerful inbound and outbound firewall security, Personal Backup will keep your important files safe from ransomware, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Best of all, it's compatible with macOS Monterey and the latest Apple Silicon Macs. 
Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today. When you're ready to buy, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get a special discount by using the link in this episode's show notes at podcast.intego.com. That's podcast.intego.com. And click on this episode to find the special discount link exclusively for Intego Mac Podcast listeners. Intego, world-class protection and utility software for Mac users. Made by the Mac security experts. Okay, so you've heard arguments for the defense. No, the prosecution. No, the defense. One or the other. We, we've laid out what some people think are the pros of side voting, why it's good for us. And, and I think that's the most important thing. We're looking at two things here. We're looking at what's good for companies, right? Apple's 30%, 15%, buying Amazon content in apps, etc. But what we need to think about is what's good for users. Now, there is a certain amount of security that we get from any app store compared to side voting, though I side vote apps on my Mac all the time and I do have security software that protects me just in case. So it's not like it's not going to be that much of a problem. But one of the biggest cons that Apple is particularly lobbying about basically comes down to the fact that they're going to lose money. Yeah. Okay. So, and and we talked just before the break about how this could be a good thing, right? If third-party apps could circumvent Apple's cut on in-app purchased subscriptions or digital sales, then you'd be able to have a lot more things that you could purchase inside iOS apps. But the downside for Apple and for its shareholders is that obviously this would be a huge cut in revenue. Not only would Apple miss out on the cost of apps that you have to buy from the store, but also they would lose out on all of that in-app purchase revenue. That's a huge amount of money that Apple is making, not actually from developers, they're really making it off of the consumers. The consumers are having to pay more, and it's all going into Apple's pockets, this 30% or, or sometimes 15%. Apple does make a ton of money. In their recent quarterly results that they announced at the end of April, they made $19.8 billion in services revenue. Now, if you go back a few years, it was well under $10 billion. So they've more than doubled. Now, services is not just the App Store. It's Apple Music and Apple TV Plus and it's Apple Care contracts and all that. But it is the area where Apple is trying to make more money because they know that eventually there's not going to be any new features to put in an iPhone. And unless they come up with another, you know, we talked about in the last episode about the iPod 20 years and it was what turned Apple into the company it is. And the iPhone turned it into what it is now. But there has to be a next step. And Apple is really banking on services for that. Or depending on who you ask, uh, maybe they're banking on cars or something. Well, but <laughs> Yes, that's true because the car market is quite large. Okay. One of the problems with third-party app stores is how do you know that they're reliable? We, we, we talked about the revenue aspect of this, and we've talked a little bit about, you know, which app store is going to be more reliable at vetting. But beyond just looking at app stores, there's when you're talking about sideloading, sideloading sort of implies that you don't necessarily even need to have an app store. Right. It doesn't even have to be a third party app store. You could potentially go directly to a developer's website, for example, and download an app from them directly from a website. That's something you can already do on a Mac. You mentioned sideloading is something you do all the time on a Mac. Technically, I mean, we never called it sideloading on the Mac or on any 
desktop computer before, right? This is only a term that we've started thinking of now that we have an app store on our mobile devices. One of the biggest problems with malware we had in the past was called Flashback, and it leveraged Adobe Flash. You would go to malicious websites and you would get what's called a drive-by download where something would download and you wouldn't notice it. And in some cases, it would launch automatically depending on your Safari settings. So I'm wondering if the same thing would happen on an iPhone, that you go to a website. Since you can install apps that aren't coming from an app store, isn't it possible you go to a website and boom, an app installs and you can't see it? At least on the Mac, you see the file system. If a file gets downloaded, it's in your downloads folder. You don't really see that on an iPhone or an iPad. Right. Yeah. This this does get a little bit tricky thinking about all like all of these different. We're following a lot of different threads of thought here, but talking about that in particular. Okay. So if you if you can sideload by downloading an app from a developer's website, then that necessarily means that you can also get malware from a website. A lot of the malware that we're seeing on, on the Mac just actually comes from scam websites where, for example, you do a search and some result comes up and it looks like that probably has the information I'm looking for. You click on the link and it turns out that either that website is turns out to be malicious or it's been hijacked by somebody who wants to distribute malware. And now that site is telling you, oh, you need to update your flash player or whatever it might be. And it pushes malware at you and and tricks you into downloading and installing it. So this the same thing could certainly happen on iOS. Just the, the possibility of being able to install third party apps makes that something that immediately could become a big problem for mobile platforms as well. And couldn't this malware also be a problem in other app stores that maybe they're not reviewing the apps as well as Apple is, and they're not ensuring that there is no malware? Well, one thing in particular that I think is is kind of interesting to consider, you know, Apple kind of makes this argument that they do this really good job of vetting all these apps, right? And one of the things that they do to vet apps is they prevent apps from having self-updating capability. And they obviously don't do a very good job of that because that's exactly what Epic did with Fortnite, where all of a sudden now the app was able to allow in-app purchases that circumvented Apple and so forth. So it's not like Apple is really good at this, but this is another thing that Apple is arguing that third-party app stores are not going to vet for as well, that apps are going to self-update. And so it might look legitimate at the time that it gets into the store, this these third-party stores, but then they will update themselves and now they'll add malicious functionality. So Apple is ostensibly checking for that. They don't do a perfect job of it, but they're saying this is more likely to happen on third-party stores. So what about user privacy? Because Apple has strict rules about what apps can access, about the way data is managed. Would this be something that wouldn't be as solid if there were third-party app stores, or could Apple still maintain this sort of protection? There, there is a bit of a problem with third-party app stores or, or even third-party apps that you're obtaining directly from a developer's website in that they would be able to leverage private APIs. That's application programming interfaces. There are certain APIs that Apple does not allow developers to use when they submit an app for the app store. 
but that a developer could actually leverage if they chose to either in, in a third party app store or in a self-distributed app from their website. And again, those things could allow for additional useful functionality, like potentially antivirus type protection and things like that, but it could also be used to violate your privacy. Absolutely. And so this, this is a big concern. It, it gives a lot more functionality to developers if they can circumvent the app store, but that functionality can be used for good or evil. So would this enable more developers to create apps? Because currently, if you want to make an app for iOS, you have to pay $99 a year to be part of the developer program. You do, however, get access to Xcode, the development environment. Would this mean if there were third-party apps, could you make apps using something other than Xcode or let's say with JavaScript or things like that? And does this mean that there would be more, I want to say, small apps? I'm thinking back to the days of HyperCard, where anyone could make what was called a stack, a really simple app and distribute it. Would this bring back that old sort of freeware that we had back in the early days of the Mac? You know, that's a possibility. I, I imagine that probably a lot of developers would would still pay for their Apple developer certificate. They would still use Xcode probably to develop their apps. But if they got rejected in Apple's review process, if Apple said, no, 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 this violates this particular section of our, you know, our policies and you're not allowed to have this app in our store, I would think that we're going to see a lot more apps that get rejected by Apple that are now going to say, okay, fine, we'll just go to a third party store. No big deal. This is one of the reasons a lot of independent developers want side loading because they do have apps that are rejected sometimes for ridiculous reasons over and over again. And this would give them more freedom to distribute apps that they want the way they want. But of course, there's a risk of that, that we don't know what these apps are doing and we can't be sure how secure they are and how much they might violate our privacy. Right. So, so there's definitely a trade-off. And anybody who tells you that this is a really simple argument and we definitely should or definitely shouldn't have sideloading, they're either lying to you or, or, or they're really not considering all these aspects. Because this is actually a very complicated thing. If you were to ask me what's my personal preference about whether we should have sideloading or not, to be honest, and even though I work for an antivirus company, right, I think I'm still slightly leaning to the I'd kind of rather not have sideloading side of things it's slightly because, again, I, I do see advantages to both. But I, I think the the biggest risk is the same thing that Apple is claiming to be the biggest issue, which is that uh, user security and privacy is potentially compromised. Could you imagine a version of iOS that allows sideloading or a setting in iOS that allows sideloading that maybe not everyone wants to have that possibility because of potential drive-by downloads, that sort of thing? So if they are forced to allow it, would it be an opt-in thing for only those users who want to use it? Oh, yeah, I, I think for sure, because that's what we're already seeing on Android, right? It, it is an opt-in thing. If you want to use third-party app stores or or download from a developer's website, you can do that. There's a bunch of steps you've got to go through. And, and I feel like Apple would definitely do the same thing on iOS if they were forced to, you know, legally compelled to open it up to third-party app stores. They would do the same thing for sure. It would not be something where you could just download third-party apps by, by default. However, I think there 
might be enough people who at some point, maybe they come across some app that they think, oh, that would be interesting to install. And then they just leave the capability of downloading third party apps enabled, right? That becomes now a big target for malware drive by downloads and so forth. So it's worth pointing out that there is something like this already on the Mac. If you go to the security and privacy preference pane and then the general tab, you have an option to allow apps downloaded from the App Store only or the App Store and identified developers. So you can lock down a Mac to only allow apps that come through Apple's App Store. There's a third possibility that's not visible there because App Store and identified developers means developers who have an Apple developer account and a certificate. If you get an app that is not from an App Store or an identified developer, there's a workaround to be able to launch it. So we're already seeing this sort of on the Mac, and I kind of worry more about Apple requiring apps on the Mac to come from the Mac App Store than the question of sideloading on iOS. Yeah, for, for me, I feel like there are, are so many apps that are really important to my workflow that just aren't available in the App Store, and many of them that I don't think probably would get approved in the App Store. <laughs> if they were submitted to the Mac OS app store. And I think, I think it would be a big problem. I think there's going to be a lot more resistance to, you know, Apple locking down the Mac further rather than potentially opening up iOS. There's a lot of people I think who have over time advocated for opening up iOS to third party app stores. Again, there, there are some pros and there's some cons too. We've, we've covered a lot of them and, and this is not even the complete list really. Just a, another con just to, to mention it is that, Apple claims that some sideloading initiatives, so the potential laws that might get passed, would also mandate removing protections against third-party access to proprietary hardware elements. So, for example, like Touch ID or, or Face ID, those kind of things, like to open those things up so that any third party could use them however they wanted. And so Apple's argument there is that undermines platform security, making it easier to spy on users or steal data and things like that. There's also the possibility that your employer might force you to sideload an app onto your iPhone, maybe to track you or to track what you're doing on your device. And the, the fact that they could do it if sideloading was allowed seems to be another way of undermining your privacy. Well, yeah, the, the biggest problem with that kind of a thing is that, of course, Apple would not have any oversight to any apps that were sideloaded onto your device, right? If it's not available from the App Store, then Apple's not looking at everything that it's doing and they're not giving you the privacy nutrition label, right? And so your employer could be doing things with your device that you don't know about even, that they may not even be disclosing to you, or maybe in some fine print, you know, when you signed your contract and said, yes, I agree, I'm going to install an app, whatever. So there's a lot of problems in that area too. Can we agree that privacy nutrition label is a stupid name? It's, it's a... But if they just called it a privacy label, it would make sense because there's nothing nutritional about those labels. Yeah, there. I, I know it's just it's it's Apple's analogy, right? They're trying to compare it to something that we see every day on food products, you know. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's not nutrition related. Okay. One last question, and we mentioned before about developer certificates, and that is what confirms that a developer is who they say they are. Would we still have those with sideloading? And if so. Who would issue the certificates? Would Apple be the only one or could there be third party? What What is it? Trusted third parties that issue certificates? I, I've thought about this, too. And I, 
I guess part of it depends on whatever legislation might compel Apple to make these changes, right? If if the legislation demands it, maybe they could say you sh- that third-party developers should not be required to, you know, sign on to Apple's developer program to pay the the entry fee and so forth. If they say that, then you know, obviously Apple's going to have to comply with that. However, you know, just like we were talking about on the Mac, we've we've got the ability to on the Mac. It's like you hold down control and you click on an app and then you can open it regardless of whether it's been signed by an Apple approved developer certificate or not. Even if it's unsigned, you can open an app that way. There is potential for maybe having the same kind of thing on iOS. Maybe there'd be a different way to go about it. Maybe you tap and hold the first time that you open an app. It could be something like that. But I kind of feel like Apple is only going to do that if they're actually legally compelled to. I think they're still going to try to get everybody to at least get an Apple developer certificate. One of the big benefits to that is if there is ever malware that's signed with one of those Apple issued developer certificates, they can revoke that certificate at any time. And then any apps from that developer that were created using that specific account will be banned. They won't be allowed to open on your device anymore. Okay, that's enough. We've looked at the pros. We've looked at the cons. A lot of this depends on, well, legislators who don't know a lot about technology and have ideas about the way things work. Until next week, Josh, stay secure. All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to follow us in Apple Podcasts or subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software, intego.com.